Live Fitter and Longer with The Fitness Show, hosted by fitness expert, author, and TV personality, Fitz Kohler. She'll tell you why diets are dumb, supplements are snake oil, and the truth about how you can earn a lean, hard, pain-free, and athletic body. Now for our favorite bossy blonde, Fitz Kohler. Hi team, I'm Fitz Kohler, your fitness expert and very noisy race announcer from fitness.com and welcome to the fitness show. Today, we are going to talk about cancer. That's right, we're going to talk about my cancer and how it was weird and also how it was wonderful and how did that happen? Um, I don't know. Uh, now, I'm going to start by saying it was also hell. <laughs> There was also a crap ton of misery and a, an enormous amount of suffering. Uh, but I'm not the girl who harps on that. I mean, that's a reality of the situation I was in. It was hard. It was damn hard. It was scary. It was stressful. It was all of those things. Um, but it's over. Uh, and I'm also not someone who harps on a miserable situation. I, I'm the silver lining girl. I'm the make the best of it girl. And um, doesn't mean I didn't cry my eyes out every day alone in the bathroom or alone in my car because I did. Um, but, you know, there was there was good that came out of it. You know, nobody wants to look and be like, well, I had cancer and uh, it was great. It wasn't great, right? It wasn't great at all, but it's over, right? And even while I was going through it, I was able to recognize that some of this stuff was freaking funny. It was it was crazy. And actually, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this. And that's the reason I wrote the book. So this podcast is broadcast is based off of this book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. And the reason I wrote this book was because um, what I found as I started undergoing my treatment is that nobody talked about the stuff that really happens. I, yeah, I was warned, hey, you know, you might feel sick. You might feel tired, high rest, high Pam. You might feel, um, yo, know, you might lose your hair. And I did. I, I, all those things happened. I was sick. I was so sick. I was super tired and I lost all my hair. Um, but nobody told me all the nitty gritty details. And so once I started treatment, once they put that first dose of chemo in here, um, the world opened up. I mean, there was stuff that was so crazy. And I kept thinking, how come nobody tells you this stuff? This is bat shit crazy. I mean, every single day I, I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh my God, I'm living in the twilight zone. And uh, it was weird and weird and weird. And then all of a sudden, all the weirdness caught up with me and I started laughing and thinking, oh my God, this is so funny. How come nobody ever tells you this? And it wasn't funny because I was, well, some of it was funny, but I was suffering, but it was uh, cumulatively hilarious. It was actually very funny. And if you're a sarcastic person like I am, you can understand how I can look at some of this stuff and go, holy crap, that's hilarious. And um, yeah, so I'm going to tell you about those things. So again, I'm not, I'm not making fun of cancer and I'm smarter than to poke that bear. I'm not making fun of you cancer listening where you are, but I'm making fun of my experiences. And I went through a whole heck of a lot of weird ones. So um yeah, I can't wait to share that. And so that's that was my initial instigation to write the book. It was this stuff is so weird. 
people are going to get a royal kick out of this. People are going to laugh. Ah, oh, here's one of my cancer sisters. It's Vicky Miko. She has breast cancer right now and she is crushing it. She's doing so much better than I did. Um, I'm mesmerized by this woman running 10 miles every day during super mean chemo. But also this is the other reason I wrote this book. And this is the other reason I'm doing this podcast is because uh, you know, one of the things I realized is that I'm a beacon of health and happiness, right? This is what I've made my whole career out of helping people do better and be better. And it went to, when it came to cancer, uh, I had a really hard time, but I also lived really well. I lived better than most people, most healthy people live in a lifetime. Why? Um, three reasons very specifically is number one, I kept perspective. And so I was terrified. Yes, I actually was convinced I was going to die for a little while. It was so stressful. However, I always knew I was like, listen, I'm not a little kid with cancer. That's got to be way worse, right? It's not my kid with cancer. Again, way worse. And for me, I was fortunate with um, breast cancer, although it can be lethal. What I had was not as uh, typically lethal as some of the other types of cancer. And so I thought I'm not going to be uh, a crybaby about this. I mean, I cried, but um, I decided to suck it up, soldier, just get through it. And I did, right? I I persevered. I sold, soldiered on. The other thing is I chose to pursue my passions no matter what. And uh, to me, those passions are my children and my work. And it's almost insulting to call what I do work because I love it that much. But you know, it was you, it was you, whoever you are out there, you're one of the reasons that I had so much light and joy in my life. And I can tell you that when I stood on those stages, I never missed a race. I never missed a speaking engagement. I never missed any of my work obligations because I wanted to be there because what I do and the people I serve are so spectacular. And so I would spend the whole night sleeping on a hotel bathroom floor, wherever I was, and at four o'clock in the morning, when my alarm got off, I would put on my little clothes and my running shoes and I'd go get up on the stage and things were going wrong with me. <laughs> I'll get to those. But when I stood on those stages, it was like, you know, the heavens opened up and angels sang and I got to be with my runners, my athletes, my people who work so hard for themselves, their communities, great causes. And it was really hard to focus on me and what was going wrong with me when I was able to be with so many spectacular individuals that showed up to have a great time. And so uh, it was perspective. It was those passions being with my kids, of course, you know, just made my heart sing. And then last but not least, and this one's really important is I chose to be positive. Even in the worst circumstances, I chose to be positive. I never had a why me moment. I did not play victim to cancer. Uh, I am no, I'm nobody's victim. I don't care what happens to me. Fitzkohler is not a victim. And so that really helped me soldier on. And so the book came out last year and I get feedback almost every single day from cancer patients that say, thank you so much. This helped me do better and be better during my treatment. And I'm, I'm exercising now or I'm just not sulking the way I used to. And so that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And so you're going to hear a bunch of ridiculous, absurd stories. And I want you to laugh. Please laugh at me. Don't feel bad. Like, oh my God, the poor girl, I can't laugh. No, laugh. This is why I'm here. And use your comment section. So wherever you are, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I, I can't remember where we're broadcasting, but uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, use your comments section. Pipe in if you've had an experience that's hilarious or weird or wonderful. Let me know. Again, there was there were sad, yucky things, but we're not going to focus on those. We're focused on the weird stuff and the wonderful stuff. And yay, cancer, right? <laughs>
No, not gray. Not way can yay cancer. So I have a list. I'm gonna go through the list. I don't want to forget stuff, but I have visuals for you guys. I have lots of visuals to show you. So before I get going on my list, I want to show you just a little recap of my cancer journey so you can kind of walk through it with me. It's very brief, but I want you to have a look and then um and then I'll get to my list and we'll we'll laugh at me and these stupid boobs of mine, right? I wanted to let you know, because I won't be able to avoid telling you at some point, um, is that I was just diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, it's the morning of the LA Marathon, it's March 24th, and um, my hair is going to go very soon. It comes out. When I brush it, like lots and lots of it. So I've been All right, so there it was. Now you have a little glimpse at uh, my very exciting experience with breast cancer. So we've got uh, some comments coming in. Pam, yeah, you remember the video. I, I recorded that video right here. I'm so glad to be on the other side of it as well. And here comes Victoria Miko, and she, again, has breast cancer right now, or she doesn't have it anymore. She's being treated for it. Book's amazing, a great read, thank you. Laughed and cried reading this, especially with the crazy, funny stuff. Nice to know the weird stuff was, <laughs> yes, it's normal. So let's get to the weird stuff, right? Oh, and here's Tyler also going through breast cancer treatment. So you guys may hear some stories other than just mine. And um, Dave Purnell, welcome. Good to see you. Okay, so for starters, I want to start with, we and we're going to go weird, wonderful, weird, wonderful. So weird, I had cancer, right? I'm a fitness expert. I've, I've exercised for a living for decades. And this is what I do. I'm a vegetarian. I eat all the foods. I do all the right things. And um, I got breast cancer, right? Who expects someone who's so fit and healthy to get breast cancer? But um, so I think that's weird. But if it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. And I'm not one of those. It happened for a reason, people. I am not. I don't believe anyone in the sky looked down on me and was like, hey, 
let's give her let the uh, seed of doom in her boobs. So I don't believe that happened for a reason. However, you know, it turns out that I'm a good role model. And now a lot of women and hopefully some men are squeezing their stuff. They're doing self exams and they're uh, getting annual exams. And, and my message, I think, is amplified because I had breast cancer. So that's kind of wonderful. And, and really, the other wonderful thing is that my fitness, again, even though I suffered tremendously, tremendously, and if you want to know about all the suffering, read the book, right? <laughs> it's all in the book. Um, but it helped me in so many ways. And so I was brutalized by chemo, especially chemo knocked me out. I was, I was, I went three months without exercising. However, this is what my oncologist told me. Cause I went in one day for, for chemo number six and I was a basket case. And he said, you've done great. And I said, what? I have not done great. I'm a mess. And it was every morsel in my body had been destroyed in some way. He said, no, you've done so great. And I said, I have not. He said, Fitz, listen, if you were not so fit going into this, you wouldn't have just been hospitalized for one night you would have been hospitalized for a month. You would have ended up with a feeding tube. So it's your fitness that helped pr protect you from all of those other things. And so, okay, so weird that a fit girl like me gets cancer, but wonderful that a fit girl like me um, sidesteps a bunch of yucky stuff because I was so fit. So um, that's weird and wonderful, number one. Here's Grace. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy you enjoyed the book, Grace. And I enjoyed being on your podcast. She's such a doll. Grace is in Australia. She's my Australia BFF. Um, okay, next up, chemo. So this is, I mean, everyone has a different chemo experience. But when you walk into the chemo place where I get chemo, think about an, an elementary school cafeteria that big and just rows and rows of recliner chairs, these plastic recliners, you know, the kind you can rub with alcohol. But it was so weird to walk in and be and know that there were so many people just locally that were going through this too. It was crazy. And um, I was fortunately assigned this amazing nurse, Lily. She was so great and so protective of me. And so she said, where do you want to sit? And I said, directly in the corner. I wanted to hide out as public as I am in my work. I'm an equal hermit in my private life. And that was a place where I knew I was going to be crying. And I was such a wimp. Gosh, I am such a wimp around needles, but I get to go hide in the corner. But this is um, the wonderful part is that there's camaraderie, right? There's uh, 60 chairs, recliner chairs filled with 60 cancer patients. And eventually you start, you know, um, rubbing antennas, talking about what you're going through and people have great advice and, comfort stories. And, and that was, um, really nice. Now this is a funny story. My, again, my nurse, Lily, who was a rock star, I had two nurses, Lily and then John, but we had a chatty Kathy and there was quite often the chatty Kathy of the chemo room. And I not only went for chemo every third Monday, but I had to go for IV fluids every weekday in between because I was, I was super sick and that was helping me avoid dehydration and so forth. But there was this lady and she would just walk around talking to people, talk, 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 talk. And uh, one of the best days ever where Chatty Kathy is coming around the corner and Lily comes over my nurse. She goes, um, close your eyes, pretend you're sleeping. So I instantly like that just on cue pretended I was sleeping and chatty Kathy went by. And so Lily protected me from the, the conversation I didn't want to have because I wasn't feeling so good. But for the most part, uh, it turned out to be a really 
lovely atmosphere. And besides the fact that everyone was sick and we felt sad for each other, it was it was a place where we lifted each other up. So weird, wonderful. Next up was this thing called Nulasta. Now you may see Nulasta commercials all the time. Nulasta, it, they put this device on your arm and um, you see people staring out the window or watching their grandchildren play. That's apparently the thing you have to do if you're wearing Nulasta. But what it is, is it's a shot that's supposed to be given to you um, 24 hours after your chemo to boost your white cells and uh, pre prevent infection. So instead of making people go all the way home and come back 24 hours later, they send, they send you home with this automatic shot release device. So most people get it on their tummy. And I just said, hell no, you're not doing it on my tummy. And, and thankfully they said, uh, yeah, your tummy's too small anyway. So we're going to put it on your arm and the tricep. So here's the thing, my tricep, they put it on there black and blue. Like someone was hitting me with a bat every week. So if that would have been on my tummy, yikes. However, this is the thing is Nulasta, they put it on and then they click some sort of beeping thing. And now you sound like a bomb, right? You sound like a ticking tom time bomb. Tick, tick, and you have no idea what's going to go on the first time, at least. And then out of the blue, it just snap, like hits you with a rubber band, pow, and it injects this little catheter into your arm. So 24 hours later, the drugs will go through the catheter and you'll have your medicine. And then you beep, you do lots of beeping, and then some somebody has to help you take off your new last step. But um, that was super weird. Every time I get it on and then I just wait thinking, oh, no, here it comes. Kind of like a roller coaster, tick, tick, tick. And you're just waiting for the wee, except I was waiting for the ah. And uh, yeah, so Nulasta, strange, but convenient because you didn't have to go back to the doctor. Okay. Now, next thing I thought was super weird was a port. And if you don't know what a port is, a port is a device that they stick underneath your skin. And um, I'm, I'm actually... <laughs> They stick it underneath your skin. They surgically implant it and it's got a little rubbery top and they um, inject the chemo needles into your port. So it's weird and it's rude because they're sticking a needle in the soft spot in your chest. So everybody at home, yeah, you there, I want you to poke the soft spot on your chest right here, like between your shoulders and your sternum. And then imagine someone sticking a needle in there. That's BS. It's total crap. I mean, I, I, I believe... Nurses and doctors should be punched every time they stick a needle in someone's chest. But so right there, surgically implanted, and then they put the needle in, and then the chemo drugs go straight there through a catheter into your heart, and the um, drugs get flushed out and immediately sent through your entire body. It's apparently very efficient, but I think it's super rude. So mine, they told me they were putting the smallest one in. But um, because I'm lean, it stuck out like a button. So for 16 months, I had this button here, this weird little cap. And then weirder is uh, my doctor as he's removing it. So I had mine removed about a month after I finished chemo so I could do a Spartan race, blah, 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 the way I roll. But the doctor goes, do you want it? And I said, no, that's disgusting. And he's like, are you sure? Lots of people have it. And then I thought of you guys. And I thought, well, perhaps... Perhaps these people would like to see it. So there's my port. Look at that thing. And so, yeah, Tyler, that's <laughs> gross. This is actually the first time I've ever lifted it out. But this is the thing that was in my chest. And look, it, it sat up like that right out of my skin. And then this rubbery beep. This thing probably is crying because it's been poked so many times. And then this went into my heart. How strange is that? So weird. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing wonderful because you're apparently not getting stuck in the arm so much, but screw that. I'd rather be stuck in the arm, but yeah, pork and it's in my house. And I think that's weird. So, oh, this was the wonderful part of the port is towards the end of chemo. When I went from Lily to John, John kept a stash of sugar skull bandages for me. So I leave with these beautiful sugar skulls and like a four-year-old, I was very, very happy to have my sticker leaving chemo. Um, so yeah, that was exciting. Hey, Dave. Hi, Candy. Hello. All right. So port, super weird. Okay. And then baldness. Let's go right there. And so the way my hair fell out was hyper dramatic. Uh, it fell out on the finish line stage of the Los Angeles Marathon. That's right, kids. My hair fell out publicly in front of about, I don't know, 40, 50,000 people. And yeah, that was very stressful. And, and I talk about that in great deal, detail in my book. Now, one of the things I wish I had done, because um, Rudy and I were working and uh, I was a bit of a basket case. So I was, when athletes were coming through the finish, I was genuinely excited to see them. It was like, yay, here comes Susie Q from Montana. But then the second I would pull back from the microphone and let Rudy work for a while, I was boohoo crying because my hair was coming out and we were on a black stage and our whole black stage was covered with long blonde hair. It was absolutely nuts. And poor Rudy was trying to sweep the stage of my hair so I would cry less. And then he was also trying to dance to keep me laughing. It was a very, very, very wacky day. Um, but here's the thing, the hair fell out. I, I, I fell out lots and then eventually I shaved it. That was weird shaving my head. Uh, not something I had ever anticipated doing, but it's what happened when it fell out. So there was a couple of stages of hair loss. It was uh, when my stylist came over, she I just assumed she was going to shave it because there's only one way to do it. And she said, well, what guard do you want? What number? And I thought, what? She's like, well, what number do you want me to write? And I thought, oh my God, just shave it. I don't want to have choices here. This is weird. But we decided on a number two. Uh, so that's where we shaved my head. Hi. Oh, Kenneth. I love you. Oh, that's not Kenneth. That's, that's Vicky. Kimmeth's gorgeous wife. So, um, so she shaves my hair at two and I think, okay, that's enough. Right. But two means it's maybe half an inch long. And what I'm left with there is a part. So I part my hair my whole life down the middle, kind of. And when I shaved it, the part was still there. And then <laughs> this is the best part when that, so that hair gets patchy, it's a number two, but it's still falling out in weird patches. So then I have to go back and have my hairstylist shave it. She gives me an Air Force haircut. At first it's like a number one over here and it stays a two on top. And I just look like a cadet and I didn't like that. And then finally she shaved it again. So I had to have my head shaved three times and I cried all three times. Some of these girls are brave. They're like, Ooh, shaving their head. I'm so great and bold. I was not that girl. I was cry baby, but, um, Anyways, when I finally was bald, bald, my, my part remained. So living in Florida with this central part, I ended up with a freaking suntan line down the top of my head. So it wasn't bad enough that was, I was a bald person. I was a skunk. I had a skunk stripe straight down my head. So I'm going to show you that. I got a little like 12 second video I'm going to show you here, but oh my gosh, what are the odds? That's my regular hair. That's the part. 
And here comes bald head, skunk stripe. Magical. How about that? Hey, guys, use the comment section. Let me know if you could hear me. I was talking to you during that video, but I'm having a little technical thing. So if you could hear me telling you what was going on in that hair part video, let me know. But what a surprise to have a skunk stripe down my big bald head. And then I wasn't just um, having the skunk stripe. I had a rash. So these chemo drugs are... They, they're very prone to allergic reactions. And so that's actually a big deal in a chemo infusion center. They're, oh, you could hear me. Yay! Thank you. That makes me so happy. <laughs> you could hear me talking about the part while you were looking at the video. That's where I'm going. But thank you guys for being responsive. So uh, where did I go? I lost my track of thought here. Oh, 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 yeah. So allergies are a big thing. Lots of people are allergic to these drugs because they're poison. That's actually another really weird thing is that um, I was healthy going in. I was actually healthy and strong. I had this lump in my breast, but nothing was wrong with me. And then I had to sign up for poison. And then I had to sit down and let them inject me with it. And then I had to pay for it. That was super weird. Now, thankfully, the drugs um, saved my life. So that was the wonderful side of that. But anywho, not only was I bald, but then um, these drugs cause reactions. And one of my reactions was a rash on my head. So it wasn't bad enough to be the bald girl. Now I was a bald girl with all the ogre bumps on my head. And so at the beginning of my treatment, I started identifying with Shrek. And that was actually my nickname. I was like, I'm Shrek. And I talked like Shrek around my house. And I don't think anybody really enjoyed that impersonation, but it felt good to me. Aww, I'm glad you can hear me, Greg. Greg is my Buffalo Marathon race director and one of my BFFs. Love you. Okay. So yes, I had the skunk stripe, the ogre bumps. Oh, and then <laughs> this is the thing is, so when you're bald, you have uh, res responses to the world you may not have. And so it was cold. And, and I decided not to wear a wig. I know lots of people that choose wigs. Yay for that. I cast no judgment. I decided no wigs for me. And I, I go into detail in the book about that. But um, I just decided to be bald and I didn't think it was going to be easy and it wasn't, but it was amazing how many times I'd be walking into a restaurant or the mall or wherever and the air would be on all of a sudden whoosh, and, and I would suck in like a turtle because my head was so cold. And then um, at some point I'd have little stray hairs and to feel the little stray hairs wiggling on top of my head, very, very, very weird. Um, I don't know what the wonderful part of that was, but uh, I guess the wonderful part is that I didn't lose my limbs, right? I didn't lose my arms and legs. I just lost hair. Um, and then the other weird thing is, so when things come out, they don't necessarily come out easy. And so you're aggressive with your hair. You just shave it off when it gets out of control. But when my eyelashes started to fall out, that was a sad time because I was having uh, lash extensions put on. So it's a fancy salon thing, but they glue individual lashes to your individual lashes and it gives you a little extra, which is super glamorous and fun. And I love them. So <laughs> my lashes came out. They all came out on one eye, all of them. They were just, boop, right eye gone. And then the left eye still had 
like 20, 25 lashes left. And it wasn't just my lashes, it was lashes with extensions. So do you remember that baby head on Toy Story with the robot legs and the, it was a bald head with a big blue eye with the lashes. And then the other one just had a goal, a hole in its head. That was me. I was um, that crazy baby head. And I had to get on a plane and fly to Denver to host an event with no lashes. And that was, oh, that was a really weird experience. And I couldn't even put strip lashes on my bald eye because you need other lashes to hold up the strip lashes. So it was crazy. Um, but again, I didn't lose my arms or legs and lashes grow back. This is what I've been told. Okay. For anyone headed into chemo, check the Rapunzel Project website. Cold capping, that is an awesome invention. I know you did that, Christy. I have a lot of other friends who've done it as well. Cold capping is a thing people do. It's this whole system of caps that are very cold and they kind of, um, they freeze the follicles of your hair and makes them um, immune to the chemo and people are able to preserve their hair while going through chemo. I've seen it work successfully quite a few times with personal friends of mine. So if anyone has to go through that and you would like to keep your hair, I highly recommend it. I, um, I started chemo too quickly. My, my breast cancer was very aggressive and my doctor, my doctor just set me up for surgery and chemo to get started. And I just didn't have time to fool around. But if you have a little wiggle room, look into cold caps, I highly recommend. Okay. It's the next thing. So weird sticking with the allergic reaction thing, my skin responded too. So um, nobody tells you this stuff, but I had the bumps I had rashes everywhere. And then I had dryness and scaliness and all sorts of stuff. Oh, and then I ended up with deep wrinkles in my face because I had lost like 13 pounds. And so I just, it was one thing to be healthy and start, well, I wasn't healthy. I was starting to exercise again at that point, but everything about me everything was wrong. Little bumps everywhere. It just was crazy for a while, for a while. But then on the wonderful side, at some point it was like I had a chemical peel and all the horrible yuck from chemo went away. My skin was shinier than ever. And then when I gained some weight back, I got some fat in my face. And I was so excited about that. I was, when I lost the weight and I was super scrawny, I decided I want to gain back, you know, 10 pounds of muscle and some face fat. And uh, you know how people put fillers in their face? I thought if I'm going to get fillers, I'm going to get Cadbury or salt caramel in the face because I would much prefer be delicious if I were going to have some sort of creamy feeling inside my face. Um, okay. And then I had weird stuff. I had uh, alien sludge, this stuff underneath my skull. Nobody tells you about that. It wasn't a headache. It was boiling neon green alien sludge under my head. I lived with cold rags on my head. But then my hands, I, I had breast cancer, right? We're going to go back to that. It was in my boob. It was right here. My hands had nothing to do with this. They are innocent victims in this cancer nonsense. But a um, couple weird things. So first, rashes, rashes on the knuckles. And I'm going to show you a brief video. Again, another little shorty for you to see. But rashes turned up. And I was like, ow, why this? And then the craziest, my nails started getting these ridges, little... Um, half circles, ridges. And I couldn't figure out where the heck they were coming from. And they would come every few weeks, another ridge, another ridge. And do you know how 
on the, you can tell the age of a tree by the amount of rings in the trunk. That is what happens with chemo and your fingernails. For each round of chemo, I got a ridge on my nail and they were turning yellow and, um, and then they started ripping off and I couldn't touch anything. And I had band-aids on all my fingers and it was very weird. And then my hands got very weak and I couldn't open the jar and I couldn't do all the stuff. So the wonderful side was that um, people were helping. <laughs> Thank goodness I don't live alone. Um, but yeah, I'm going to show you some of the weird stuff that happened in my hands. So you'll see the rash and then you'll see my fingernails. And I want you to look at those ridges. I had six rounds of chemo. Uh, of the mean chemo, I had 21 overall, but the six first, each of them gave me a ridge. It was so freaky. So let me show you this again, very briefly. So that is my hands on fire. What is that? And then there goes my nails. That's maybe a couple months in and then boom, all the ridges. Why? Is that the weirdest? Where did that come from? Nobody tells you that. Does anybody tell you when you get cancer, when you have chemo, your fingernails are going to get super bumpy. They're going to rip off. My toenails ripped off. It was a very strange experience. And here is the strange side of all of those things. So the ridges were one thing and the yellow. Um, at some point, my fingernails rotted out on my hands. Rah! On my hands, they rotted. And I, at first, didn't know this was going on. So I might have done something as mundane as that. I thought, what's on my hands? What did I touch? <laughs> so I want to wash my hands. I washed it with lemony soap. Then I washed it with antibacterial gel. It wasn't something I could get off. It was my fingers. My fingernails rotted off on my hands. Is that weird? I think that's weird. Use the comment section if you think that is freaking weird. Let me know, because I had no idea that was coming, and it was horrible. And so it took about a few weeks for that to go away. I got antifungal stuff; nothing worked, and eventually it just um, it just went away. But that's weird. I think it was super weird. Um, but the wonderful part is that nails came back stronger than ever. And I painted them, and I got to be girly again. I did not like having the yellow names, uh, yellow nails. Uh, and the toenails, yes, it happened with my toenails too. And so I wear sandals everywhere. If I'm not in running shoes or cowboy boots, it's always sandals. And so anytime my toenails touched anything, whoop, rip off a nail. It was super strange. Let's see, Tyler. Okay, so Tyler's going through breast cancer treatment right now. There, Yeah, the, the nails. I'm so glad you're not having that. Chalk that up as a win. Like points for Tyler. Uh, <laughs> And Vicky, this is very far out. Super strange, but I like the way you say that. Far out. Okay. Now here's another weird thing. Weird. This might have been the weirdest thing out of the whole experience. And I'm going to try and talk fast because we're uh, 30 something minutes in. So um, I was at the Big Sur Marathon. Now my whole life I've had blue eyes, but gray blue eyes. And people will always say, your eyes are so gray. Are they gray? They're silver. That's weird. So I go from pale blue, gray eyes, and I wake up one morning for the um, 3K by the bay, five o'clock in the morning, and I go in the bathroom and I shower, and it's very quick to shower because I have no hair, right? Jump in, jump out, and then I look in the mirror, and my eyes are navy blue saucers. You cannot see the pupils. It's just navy blue saucers, 
I think, oh crap, what the hell is going on? And I'm, I'm a flirty and I'm over there and it's five o'clock in the morning. There's nobody to turn to for help. And I'm actually not in duress. I don't have any pain, but my eyes are now navy blue saucers. And I think, what the hell? And, uh, and then I decide, okay, well, I can still see and I have a race to announce. So I'm just going to figure it out later. And then I think, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I've lost my mind. Maybe I'm just seeing this wrong. <laughs> so um, Rudy, my co-announcer for the weekend, BFF, he shows up, knocks on the door, opens it up. And the first thing he says is, what the hell happened to your eyes? I said, I know. And uh, yeah, navy blue saucer eyes. And so my eyes went really navy. And eventually they pulled back. Now they're blue. Now they're solid blue now, which is some would consider wonderful. I don't mind them. I miss my gray eyes because they were my eyes. I spent my whole life with them. But, you know, they've they've settled into a regular blue, which can be considered wonderful. And then the other thing, you know, and I've never heard anyone say, oh, by the way, when you start chemo, your eyes may change colors. No one said that. And then I was in the airport uh, I don't remember where I was going. I think I was in Atlanta and um, my vision went just, whoop. I wasn't blind, but I, I don't wear glasses. I'm a good vision girl. And then all of a sudden everything was blurry, everything. And I couldn't find my gate. I thought, oh, what the hell? Now I'm lost in Atlanta airport because I can't see anything. And there I was, the bald gray, you know, <laughs> girl wandle, wandering around looking like a mess. So my vision took a big hit for about a year and I was the squinter and I actually got readers. I didn't really carry them around. Um, I use the magnifying glass and my phone quite often. Fortunately, my vision has returned to normal. It's previous state, which I'm super grateful for, but nobody tells you that, right? You're going to start chemo. Eyes may change colors. Is that weird? I think that's weird. All right. Next up. Friendship. So, <laughs> this was very weird and mostly wonderful. So I, I think many of you know is uh, I wouldn't have told anybody in the world that I had cancer had I not been bullied to bullied into it by my hair loss. I didn't want to drag the world down with it. I didn't want to make my personal business public fodder. And it was very uncomfortable for me to make the little video on my YouTube channel. If you haven't seen it yet, go to YouTube. And there I am saying I have breast cancer. Um, but the, I'll start with the wonderful part first, the outpouring of love and kindness and generosity was extraordinary. Um, you guys were incredible. You guys were incredible. I, I, I couldn't have wished for a sweeter response. And again, I really didn't want to burden any of you of that. I mean, the fact that we started this off and Pam said she remembers seeing my video and how she felt is just, you know, a, a great burden to me. I don't like that. However, people were so nice. People were so wonderful. I mean, I received the cards and the notes and the, I would say the most wonderful thing sometimes was a dear friend would reach out and say, Hey, just want to let you know, I love you. I'm thinking about you. You don't have to respond. And quite often I was just too sick to even text. Um, so for them to remove that burden from me was really very kind. Um, I had friends offer to set up a GoFundMe. I said, no, thank you. We're, I, I'm insured. Um, so I didn't have to worry about those things. But people drove my kids around and took them. They were, they were 
14 and 16 at the time, neither one were driving. So safe rides to and from school to activities, cheerleading track, et cetera. I was incredibly grateful for those things, but the running community, it was extraordinary because I, you know, my job is to show up and take care of athletes, right? I take care of the organization by providing structure and entertainment, et cetera. But I am there to make sure my athletes feel welcome and wanted and encouraged and calm down if they're nervous and then congratulated and loved upon the complete completion of their event. And so I almost feel like the race mommy, you know, I just get to love on these people. And, you know, I spent a year and a half traveling around the country to 40 something events and all of those people turned the tables on me. It was, it was so appreciated how kind you all were. And um, some people brought me snacks and sometimes those snacks really saved my bum. I wasn't very well prepared uh, roaming around the country, sick and dehydrated. It's just, I'm not the preparation girl and, and people would show up with a drink right at the right time. And I didn't hit the pavement and snacks and, you know, uh, blankets and raincoats and things like that, that were needed. And my race organizations made extraordinary gestures to keep me healthy and make sure I could do my job without it doing any harm. So, so those were the good things. So much love, so much support. And then there was some weird stuff. And I think some of my friends out there who are experienced, who are, who have gone through cancer or other things, I have a couple of my childhood BFFs that literally fell off the planet once I was diagnosed. Not a call, not a text, just done with you, which is weird, right? I, I don't get it. These are some of the people I thought were ride or die BFFs that we would drop anything in the world to be there for each other. And a few of them just fell off that I haven't even heard from since. Uh, and I do look back and I think, wow, how weird. And what if I have died? And then they never said like, hey, I care. I thought that was super weird. Um, so that one I was reverse, wonderful and then weird. But yeah, I... I don't know what gets into people, right? There's some strange stuff going in the world and and people I thought I knew so genuinely well um, really surprised me. So I was a disappointing weird, but for the most part, wonderful. For the most part, wonderful. Uh, da -da -da -da. Oh, where am I going to? Okay, next up, food. I was told that your taste buds could die, right? Your taste buds will change. It took my taste buds approximately 40 hours to commit full-blown suicide. I went to chemo on a Monday, and then on Wednesday, I went to lunch at my favorite, uh, one of my old favorite places, McAllister's. It makes this great unsweet iced tea. And they brought me the iced tea, and I thought, oh, that tea is bad. Something happened to the tea, so I send it back with the waitress. I said, something's wrong with your tea. Can you bring me a Diet Coke? And she brought me a Diet Coke. And it tasted equally horrible. And that's when I had that, oh, crap moment. I was like, oh, no, everything is going to taste bad. And it didn't just bad. It all tasted like it was covered with black dirt. Why, why not red or sand or something? I don't know. But it was black dirt on everything I put in my mouth for at least six solid months. Bizarre. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that. And then I got all these food aversions. But I'm going to pause for a sec. I got Grace here. <sighs> the friend thing. I know, I knew it would resonate with some folks. It just doesn't make any sense. But you know what? We wish them well. It's all you can do. Maybe one day they'll come back around. So I have 
black dirt on everything. And, and then you also have to eat, right? You can't just stop eating because it all tastes bad. You have to eat. And so you have to keep eating all the black dirt. And so for me, because it tasted like black dirt, I kept imagining the black dirt being on my food every time I put a bite in and it was just so screwy. And then I couldn't even like, I, I'm a Diet Coke girl. It's so funny that the world is like, gasp, <gasps> Fitz Kohler drinks Diet Coke. Why, yes, she does. She does. Normally decaf, but that's my vice. I do all these wonderful, healthy things. I don't drink alcohol almost ever. I don't do drugs. I don't even drink coffee. I have a Diet Coke here and there. Get over it. Um, but yeah, I couldn't have Diet Coke. I couldn't have anything good other than the black dirt mouth. And then... Um, I did get my my taste buds back at one point, but then my stomach was so wonky, so I just had all food aversions. And so, you know, our pregnancy, some people get cravings, and I hear some people get chemo cravings too, which also could be weird. I had just aversions. And so for, I think it was 10 months, 90 plus percent of my calories came from four different things. It was Kind Bars, Tangerines, which I still eat half a dozen a day. Uh, guacamole. <laughs> it's so much guacamole. I am super surprised I didn't turn green. And then my final item on that list of things I could eat was Lucky Charms. Again, no rhyme or reason. It wasn't even a, this stuff is healthy. I'm going to have it. It was, this is all I can eat. Only these four things. And one of the really nice things, wonderful, is guacamole is so healthy for you, but it also is really dense in good fats and calories. So you kind of have to take it easy if you're watching your weight. I was light so I could gobble up the guacamole. I'm surprised I didn't turn green. Um, and then with the Lucky Charms, because they're magically delicious and I'm Irish, perhaps that's all the green Irish leprechaun thing. Uh, let's see, Tyler, you get the munchies. So you, you got the other. I have the aversions, you have the cravings. Um, let us know what your chemo munchies are, Tyler. I gotta know. Yeah, <laughs> magically delicious. Who could go wrong with Lucky Charms, right? There is no um, no debate that that's a really good choice during chemo. Random cravings. Uh, good for you. Good for you. I wish I would have had some delight in food. I just four food groups. And the weird part is I would say now 40% of my calories come from those four food groups still. I'm still kind of stuck on them. And I have, oh, Here's an here's one of the wonderfuls. Is that uh, it? I have a strong-ish aversion to sweets. Now, do I like a piece of chocolate here and there? I do, but I used to really like to have. If I went to the bagel bakery to have a meeting with my interns, I would always get a muffin. Now I don't get the muffin. I get fruit. You know, I'm far more drawn, even than I was healthy before. Far more drawn to produce over any sort of sweet white bread, no thank you, croissants, any of that stuff. It just had almost no interest and I can thank chemo for that. Thanks, breast cancer. Um, <laughs> I gave you the, oh, for Tyler. Yeah, the steroid pre-med. I didn't get any of that good stuff. I could have I could have gained a few pounds on some yummies. I didn't have that, that good fortune. Okay, here's weird. So I grew up a modest person modest. And um, I was the girl in middle school who would change in the disabled shower with the curtain when all the other girls were just changing the locker room. So can you imagine what a fun ride it is when all of a sudden you're flashing 
four to five people a day. So when you have breast cancer, everyone needs to look at your boobs, right? They want to look, they want to feel it. You go from one doctor to the next, to the next. They want to take pictures of your boobs and the nurse comes in. And I think this is super weird that I would be in a exam room and the doctor would say, okay, um, I'm going to go out, put on this gown and I'll come back. And so they would leave for me to take off my shirt and put on the gown. And then they'd walk in and I'd have to open up the gown and show them my boobs. And so I don't know, kind of weird, right? And so all the people constantly groping your boobs. Now, the good news is I wanted them to grope my boobs because I wanted to know what was going on. So I was like, look, touch, feel, whatever. But when you go to radiation specifically, it's every day, every weekday uh, for 33 days, I had 33 rounds of radiation. You get in and you lie on the thing and you put your arm and you hold the little handles and they got a little pillow shaped just to Fitzkohler's head. And then you have your boobs out the whole time. And, and there's all these people roaming around. It's just such a, a, a change of pace for a modest person. I, I feel like half of Gainesville, Florida has looked at my boobs right now. That's probably not true. That might be a mild exaggeration. But so many people have seen my boobs. In fact, there's quite a few men at the gym. They're not doctors or not nurses. They're just kind of medical people. They've all seen my boobs. We work out together. And I just, I know that my boobs are just like somebody else's hip. Um, they're, uh, they're medical, they're clinical, but yeah. So now the, on the wonderful side of that weirdness is I'm far less um, kind of nervous in a locker room. And now I'm, I'll just change in the locker room because I figure you know, everybody else has seen my boobs. And then here's the other thing is uh, your your mind starts wandering while you're in a place because everybody's got a different type of cancer and thinking, wow, how much more invasive this would be if I had some sort of cancer of my nether regions. So, you know, bright side, I, I kept perspective. Someone always had it worse, so I wouldn't complain. Um, but there I was with my boobs out all the time, taking lots of pictures of my boobs. In fact, they could start a little magazine dedicated to me and the girls. All right, we're moving on to Tyler. She has a good comment here. You get munchies right after chemo at in and out or is that gyros or gyros? Um, you should get the munchies for nice crispy chicken nuggets and fries. Well, I had none of that. You're probably not looking like a skeleton like I did because I um, I did look like a skeleton, but I'm going to leave Tyler's comment up since it's a good one. Okay. Um, beyond looking weird with the boobs out, I also thought it was weird that I traveled the country and stood on all those stages bald. And I think I made it look a lot easier than it was. Um, but yeah, I never thought I would stand on stages bald. And it was very um, interesting. It was, was it uncomfortable? You know, just being bald in general was uncomfortable. And I would walk out of my hotel room sometimes and just, I'd have to, I'd look in the mirror and think, who the heck is that? Like, what has happened to me? And uh there was nothing I can do to fix it, right? I just, there was nothing I could do and I wasn't going to hide. I wasn't, I chose no wigs. Um, and then I also, you know, I would wear a hat when it was cold, um, but still, I was just so very bald and I just, it was strange. It was very strange. And so I would be in that, that bathroom mirror in the hotel and I would just have to take a deep breath and say, 
get out there, you know, put on a smile, pretend. And I started with a fake smile sometimes. And then thankfully I had the genuine joy um, lifting me up from my runners and those fake smiles turned to real, real smiles. And once I got busy doing what I do, I was able to take the attention off of this bald head of mine, but boy, was that a uh, strange thing to do. It was the wonderful side is it was powerful. It was a very powerful tool. So if I was in a cold place, started out with a fuzzy hat or a ball cap, and then uh, if I were going to give a little 30 second spiel on, hey, I found my cancer early detection. I squeeze my stuff. You should too. When I took off my hat, it was a very powerful weapon to get people's attention. All of a sudden the crowds would hush. And it was one of those, oh my gosh, she's bald. Oh no, she has cancer. One of those things. So it worked to my advantage sometimes. And I don't wish I had it back, but it certainly was a, a very powerful tool for me. Okie donkey. All right, moving on. Oh, here's a strange thing. Uh, when you start chemo, now my doctor didn't tell me this, but everyone else said you have to flush twice. What? You'll have to flush twice for 48 hours after chemo. Why? <laughs> Why? Doesn't one flush do the job? And so as I read... Uh, they say flush twice, perchance you have a dog that drinks out of the toilet or kids who play in the toilet. And apparently you are so toxic from the drugs that even your pee could kill somebody or something or rather if they're licking in the toilet. So I thought that was very strange. I still find it very strange. We have zero exciting activity going on in our toilets that aren't designed to go on there. So um, flush twice, that was a super weird kickoff to cancer. And then also, this was wonderful. When I was in that chemo room, there were two uh, bathrooms, one on each corner. And one of the, the chairs I normally sat in was in front of one of the bathrooms. And so I had a bird's eye view of people trying to get into the bathroom with their IV pole. Once they hook you up, basically you're stuck with that IV pole as long as you're there. For me, I would, I would have eight, nine hour infusion days. So I would have to go to the bathroom and you have to go to the bathroom a lot because they're pumping you full of all these liquid drugs. And, um, so yeah, so getting into the bathroom, there was a lip, like a quarter inch, half inch lip. <laughs> and so watching people wrestle with their pole to get into the bathroom was awesome. It was, it was like watching a Spartan race for chemo patients, a complete obstacle course. And, um, so my, methodology was I would kind of chip the IV pole. I'd put my foot underneath it and scoop it up like a soccer ball if you wanted to kick it high. Um, but yeah, it was super funny and sometimes sad because they were very frail old people, but it's not, you just got to take the humor where you get it. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed the, the, the cancer, the IV pole thing, hot ass. Is that, is that a, I'm getting you. I like you, Stephen. Okay. Um, okay. So, oh, weird. And some people think it's weird. And I don't know if I think it's weird. It might be weird. Hold on. Christy, Ivy pole dance partner. Nice. I actually did some sexy pole dancing with my ones. So I, I identify with that. And then Vicky says, um, yeah, you got to kick it up. <laughs> it's a weird thing to have to do, but um, I could lead a, li a little course on it right now. Okay, so I, <sighs> this is the weirdness, is before my breast cancer diagnosis, I went to many 
uh, breast cancer fundraising events, ran the Making Strides with one of my clients and friends who had breast cancer, did all sorts of great fundraising things for breast cancer. The second I was diagnosed, I wouldn't and couldn't put on a pink ribbon. It's been uh, just over two years since my diagnosis. I have not worn one pink ribbon since. And so is that weird? Maybe, uh, maybe it is. I just cannot. It makes me feel like a victim. Some women wear the pink ribbon very proudly and they wear the shirt that says breast cancer warrior and breast cancer survivor or whatever. I can't do that. It, uh, I don't want to be identified by my breast cancer. So um, yeah, no pink ribbons for me. And sometimes I have to work around it. I was invited to speak at the University of Florida. They had a huge survivor event, Gator Gymnastics, about a year and a half ago. And I was a keynote and they were passing out shirts. And so I thought, oh no, they're gonna give me a shirt. It's gonna have a pink ribbon. What do I do? And there I was kind of not panicking, but kind of agonizing, what am I gonna do? So what I decided was to just wear a pink shirt. I really like pink, I'm happy with pink. And um, I showed up in my pink shirt, nobody made a stink over it. But yeah, I have an aversion to pink ribbons. Now on the wonderful side is I completely appreciate them and they're a symbol of all of the people who've worked so hard to fundraise to create um, better drugs and more curative drugs and uh, support women and men who are going through breast cancer. So I do value the cause. And in fact, I'm chair of the local Making Strides for Breast Cancer Walk here in Gainesville this year, but I can't wear pink ribbons. So that's a little bit weird. A little bit wonderful. And we got Grace. Oh, is she, she cannot wear anything that says pink ribbon. Yep. Yeah, I love, I appreciate the cause. I just can't do it. No tattoos for me, no nothing. I'm just, I'm just Fitz Kohler who happened to have breast cancer. It's weird. It's a weird thing to get hung up on, but it's my thing. So yeah. All right. Next weird thing, goopy boobs. So when you go through radiation, um, there's a risk that those gamma rays will burn you. And don't Google it. Don't Google radiation burns because there are so many scary photos. Eee! And so we have a legit threat that we may burn. And so we were, I was told, start off, put aquaphor all over your breast, just the breast that's being zapped. So I would get the radiation with a clean breast and then I would put it on all the aquaphor just layered on. So I had goopy, goopy boobs for a long time. Um, now, once that, uh, once I started turning pink, then I used this stuff called Domboro or Dumboro or stupid donkey stuff, if you could follow the trail all the way. But that you had to put a washcloth and a soak, the Domboro soak, and then rested on your boob. There was a goopy boob phase in my life I never want to relive. Now, the good news, a wonderful side is I never burned. I had a little pink itchiness. I thought that was annoying, but it wasn't super bad. Now, what I didn't surprise, what I didn't expect from radiation is um, soreness. Oh my gosh, I'm still, I'm a year and a half out. I feel like someone has whacked me in the ribs and the armpit with a bat. Still to this day, if you press on my rib cage over here, hey, it hurts. And so that's weird. I didn't expect that. I was so worried about having burns and blisters that I didn't, I didn't even know that it was going to really just damage my soft tissue. And so I dislike that. Um, but I, 
I'm not getting armpit hair <laughs> in my left side. So that's a really nice gift is they zapped my, my, my breast and then the lymph node region. And so I don't have any armpit hair there, which is super great. And if they could go back and do the right side too, I would like it, but I don't also have any feeling here. I lost feeling from surgery. And so this is all numb, except for the inside, which is sore and then no armpit hair, but then there's a little bit of armpit hair. So on occasion I shave and then I really have to be super careful. So I'm not um, cutting myself while I shave. It's just a strange predicament. Can we agree that this is all very weird, that my armpit region is weird? Um, the wonderful side about that is that I, I don't have to shave often. And then uh, the other wonderful part about radiation were the radiation cookies. And so they cook more than just people at this place. They cooked cookies. Otis Spunkmeyer every day, and you could walk in. It's pre-COVID. I could get a chocolate chip cookie, and that was my reward for um, radiation. I would go in, do the radiation thing, and walk out with my cookie. All right. Um, oh, that's very nice of you, Christy. Christy's a breast cancer survivor, and she is a peer navigator. She helps out women who are newly diagnosed. I appreciate that. Hopefully, this video will help some folks. So if you guys think this is handy-dandy information when we're done, share it on your page. Say, Fitz, there's lots to talk about, and not just breast cancer. I think these are some unifying themes between all types of cancer patients with chemo, radiation, uh, whatever. Um, oh, the other great part of chemo was the mass or radiation were the massive gowns. So they had a pile of little blue ones and then they had extra largest and uh, that were yellow. And I got bored with the blue. And so I started wearing the yellow. Huge on me. And they were, I would float down the hall like a ghost. <laughs> and um, they seemed to like me at the radiation place because we had a lot of fun. It was, it was a fresh air. I was still doing chemo, but it was a less mean chemo. And so they, they liked that I showed up with a happy face and I liked that I wasn't so sick and they weren't sticking me with needles. So that was a great treat. Okay. Um, weird is being sick in the airport. Trust me, that's a strange experience. Strange to imagine having a stomach bug and then flying across the country. So I made some interesting moves in the airports, in the airplanes. And I learned where all the cleanest bathrooms were. And I even learned where there were showers in Atlanta, which I loved. So um, high five to showering in Atlanta airport. It's something I look forward to doing again, as soon as they open the damn showers up. Imagine with COVID, they don't want you to have germs. So they shut down the showers. I would think if they wanted you to not have germs, they would encourage you to get clean in the showers, but that's just me. Okay, um, some of the things people said to me, super weird. So upon diagnosis, I make this announcement. I'm definitely thinking I'm gonna die. So many people reached out and said, hey, um, just wanna let you know, my mom died of breast cancer. Okay, why would you say that to me? <laughs> that's horrible. Why would someone reach out and say, hey, my best friend just died of breast cancer? What a scary thing to say to somebody who's just been diagnosed with a potentially lethal disease. So I thought that was weird. The other weird things I heard were, it's just hair, uh, then shave your head. Shave it right now. It's just hair. It doesn't matter, right? No, it's more than just hair. We like our hair. That's why we keep it. If we didn't like it, we would shave it. What a dumb thing to say. And then here's the other dumb thing. Um, so many people would say, oh, when your hair comes out, oh, it may be dark and it may be curly. And they, this is just this, some rumor they heard, right? But they were so excited to share. And I thought, oh, really? So the long, straight blonde hair 
that I loved and lost may never come back and this is fun for you? Is that fun for you? No, it's not fun. That's weird. Don't say that stuff to people. If you have a friend who's newly diagnosed, what you say is, science is so great. I'm rooting for you. Let me know how I can help. Or you just show up with something helpful. Amazon gift card, food, massage, house cleaning, you mow their lawn, you do the thing, but you do not show up and say, oh, my BFF just died of that very same thing. And uh, it's just hair. Don't do that. Oh, and some child, some child, some 17 year old girl child at my daughter's school told my daughter that she said, uh, one of the teachers said, I had to be nice to you because your mom's going to die. How horrible, right? People are just so weird and so ginger, thankfully, is very uh, level-headed and mature. She told me, she was like, mom, I just wanted to punch her, but she didn't. She was, she said, oh, thanks. And um, fortunately, knowing that this child and that teacher had no quality information, but people say weird stuff. If you know someone diagnosed with cancer, you just say, science is so good. I'm rooting for you. I'm going to be there to help and then do it. Follow up on that promise. Okay. Now, weird for me was being a newbie at the gym. So I took quite a few months off just because I was super sick, sick, like beyond where it might've been even remotely beneficial to go to the gym. But then I showed up and when I showed up, I was um, scrawny and I was weak and my hands were weak and I'm still bald. And I'm sorry, I thought, well, this is strange, right? This is what people feel like when they go into a gym and they don't feel like they're um, as good as everybody else, or they know everything. And so it was a really enlightening experience for me because I've always kind of been top dog in the gym since I was 14 and I started working at a gym. But I took a different uh, perspective rather than being scared and worried. I thought, uh, how awesome that I have so much progress ahead of me. How awesome that I now have a, a, a real goal laid out. I am trying to get back to being full force fits Kohler again. And I had to do baby steps. I was way weaker. I could lift so much less than I had previously, but I had the good sense up here to know that nobody else knew what I used to lift, right? Nobody else knew what I was lifting at the moment. It was nobody else's business. So it was really excited to make my physical comeback step-by-step, step. just walking back into the gym was wonderful. And uh, before cancer, I was kind of just coasting. I felt like I I was strong and flexible, had great cardio endurance, great balance. I liked my body. I didn't want to change the way it looked. And then all of a sudden, I had lots of progress that I was very hungry to make. And um, yeah, I thought that was absolutely wonderful. Um, weird nicknames. People came up to me and like, you look like Grace Jones. Really? <laughs> That's interesting. You look like crazy Britney Spears. Okay, <laughs> sure. And then my favorite, this one falls into wonderful, was Noisy Mannequin. And that was for my BFF, Christy. And that one made me so happy. She's like, you look just like a very noisy mannequin. And I was so bald. And then all of a sudden being bald was really fun because she did that for me. So um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And so I got to tell you guys, I actually have more things on this list that I would love to share, but I'm running out of time. So I have to go. Now, weird. My final weird is that um, 
I, I'm an author of a book on cancer. I thought the next book I wrote would just be pure fitness, pure fitness, right? But instead it's a cancer book and I got that weird little hairdo. Um, and also weird is that every day, I guess someone reaches out and says, Hey, my person has cancer. Can I get your book? Can you sign it and send it to them? Rush shipping. And the answer is yes. So I think it's a little bit weird that I wrote a book on cancer. I think it's weird that I had cancer. It's still hard to wrap my head around it. Um, but the wonderful side of it is that I've made lemonade, right? I was able to find the silver linings. I was able to pursue, you know, maintain perspective, pursue my passions and can maintain positivity. That was the third P. Look, I put up my middle finger. That was the third P I forgot to mention at the beginning. It was perspective, passion, and positivity. You get no extra points for being the saddest girl or guy in the room. You get no extra points for a pity party. So hopefully it has very limited um, space in your life, no matter what's going wrong, whether you sprained your ankle, you crashed your new car, you got the cancer, you lost your tooth, broke up with someone, you know, you don't get any extra points for having a pity party. So have it quickly, move on, get back to life, get back to doing the things you love, Know that you are not a child with cancer and hopefully it's not your child with cancer. And after that, everything else looks like it's pretty doable. Um, so yeah, the, there's a bunch of weird stuff that's happened in my life. But the wonderful part is now I get to help people, right? I get to do the thing that I do at fitness is help people live better and longer. And that's that's what I set out to do. So um, I'm really excited. I'm not excited I had cancer. I'm not one of those weirdos who would say, I could go back and rehab it or not. I, I would just rehab it because all the good. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back and redo cancer for anything in the world, but I can't undo it. So why not make the best of it, right? Um, I love you, Grace, all the way in Australia. I hope I get to come see you. I hope I get to come. We could we could go surfing on the back of great white sharks and <laughs> high five the kangaroos or kickbox with the kangaroos. Have a good time. Um, but yeah, lemonade, right? If you have not already picked up a copy of my noisy cancer comeback, I hope you do. Please go to fitness.com right up there. If you use a discount code survivor, I'll give you free shipping. I sign every last book that leaves my possession. It goes out in a hot pink envelope and they're beautiful packed with love and your and your sticker gift which says I can do hard things a good reminder of um, you're capable of facing any challenge ahead of you but I really appreciate your time I don't like to talk about cancer very much but uh, I think we had fun and hopefully hopefully it will go a long way for those of uh, you and your friends who are gonna face this beast I hope you face it head on with a smile on your face and say haha I'm gonna win. Love you guys. Fitness.com and then follow me at Fitness and say hi. Get to work, everyone. Bye. And we dance.